Welcome to Spiritual Warfare. My name is Teresa. Hi, my name's Kay. And we will be reading from the Book of Signs by Dr. David Jeremiah. We are going to be starting with the deal between Israel and Antichrist. Referring specifically to the Antichrist, Daniel tells us that he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. In prophetic language, this means a week of years so that the covenant will be made for seven years. The Antichrist will sign such a covenant with Israel, guaranteeing peace and security for seven years. Israel will view this man not as the evil Antichrist, but as a beneficent and charismatic leader. The worship of the Antichrist. On the heels of the covenant with Israel, this self-appointed world ruler will begin to strengthen his power by performing amazing signs and wonders, including even a supposed resurrection from the dead. Then, with his grip on the world greatly enhanced, he will boldly take the next step in his arrogant defiance of God. Then the king shall do according to his own will. He shall exalt and magnify himself above every god. He shall speak blasphemies against the God of God. Daniel goes on to give us a further description of the Antichrist's insidious methods. He shall regard neither God of his fathers, nor the desire of women, nor the regard of any God. He shall exalt himself above them all, but in their place he shall honor a God of fortresses, a God which his fathers did not know. He shall honor with gold and silver, with precious stones and pleasant things, Thus he shall act against the strongest fortresses with a foreign god, which he shall acknowledge and advance its glory, and he shall cause them to rule over many and divide the land for gain. The Antichrist will be the epitome of the man with a compulsion to extend his dominion over everything and everyone. To achieve this end, the Antichrist will bow to no god but the god of fortresses. That is, he will build enormous military might and engage in extensive warfare to extend his power throughout the world. Daniel describes how the swollen megalomania of the Antichrist will drive him to take his next step. John expanded on Daniel's description of the Antichrist's blasphemous acts by telling us that every living person will be required to worship this man. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not to worship the image of the beast to be killed. Step by step, the Antichrist will promote himself from a European leader, a world leader, to a tyrannical global dictator, and finally to a god. I couldn't imagine having to worship something like that. Can you imagine? The decision to fight against the Antichrist. The Antichrist grip on global power will not last long. The world will become increasingly discontented with the leadership of the global dictator who will have gone back on every promise he made. Huh, imagine that, Miss Kay. A deceiver, a liar. Major segments of the world will begin to assemble their own military forces and rebel against him. The king of the south and his armies will be the first to come after the Antichrist, followed by the armies of the north. At that time of the end of the king of the south shall attack him and the king of the north 
shall come against him like a whirlwind with chariots, horsemen, and with many ships. John Walvoord pinpoints the source of this army and describes the magnitude of the initial thrust against the Antichrist. Daniel's prophecy described a great army from Africa, including not only Egypt, but other countries of that continent. This army, probably numbering in millions, will attack the Middle East from the south. At the time, Russia and other armies to the north will mobilize another powerful military force to descend on the Holy Land and challenge the world dictator. Although Russia will have had a severe setback about four years earlier in the prophetic sequence of events, she apparently will have been able to recoup her losses enough to put another army in the field. The Antichrist will put down some of these first attempts at rebellion against him, but before he can celebrate and move on towards his goal of destroying Israel and Jerusalem, something will happen. The disturbing news from the east, but news from the east and the north shall trouble him. Therefore, he shall go out with a furry. The Bible leaves no doubt as to the source of the news that so disturbs and enrages the Antichrist. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. The Euphrates is one of the greatest rivers in the world. It flows from the mountains of West Turkey through Syria, continues on right through to the heart of Iraq, not far from Baghdad. It eventually unites with the Tigris to become the Shad al-Arab and finally empties into the Persian Gulf. The entirety of Euphrates flows through Muslim territory. Interesting. In Genesis 15 and Deuteronomy 11, the Lord specified that the Euphrates would be the east easternmost border of the promised land. It serves both as a border and as a barrier between Israel and their enemies. What is the significant significance of drawing up the Euphrates River? And why will that event have such a disturbing effect on the Antichrist? For an explanation, let's turn once more to John Walvoord. The drying up of the Euphrates is a prelude to the final act of the drama, not the act itself. We must conclude then that the most probable interpretation of the drying up of the Euphrates is that by an act of God, its flow will be interrupted even as were the waters of the Red Sea and of the Jordan. This time, the way will open not for Israel, but for those who are referred as to the kings of the east. The evidence points then to a literal interpretation of in the relation to the Euphrates. It's no wonder the world dictator is disturbed and frustrated He has just put down rebellions by defeating armies from the south and the north. And just when it appears he's about to gain control of everything, he gets word that the Euphrates River is dried up. (laughs) Wow. And massive armies of the east are crossing it to come against him. I did not realize either that all these people are going to be coming after him, just like you read a couple chapters ago. Yes. I thought his lies and everything went through till the end with that. I didn't realize that people woke up, I guess. Yes, so he started out strong, but then they realized that he wasn't all he said he was. Hmm. A deceiver. A deceiver. Yes. And a liar. Yes. 
And uh, he had thought himself safe as no army could cross this barrier and come into Israel <laughs> arena where he, where he fought. But now that barrier is down and an army of unprecedented number is marching towards him. Just how large is this army? Listen to what John tells us. Now the number of the army of the horsemen was 200 million. I heard the number of them. Suddenly the Antichrist must divert the major portion of his attention to defending himself and a massed force the size of which the world has never seen. When this unprecedented army crosses the bed of the Euphrates against the Antichrist, the greatest war of all history, involving hundreds of millions of people will be set into motion. The major battleground for that war will be in the land of Israel. As if this news were not frightening enough, John tells us that all these events are inspired and directed by the demons of hell. Oh my. Oh my. For they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them into the battle of the great day of God Almighty. No doubt, demonism in every shape and form will manifest itself, manifest itself more and more as the end draws near until at last it all ends in Armageddon. But besides these host of human armies, there will also be present at Armageddon an innumerable host of supernatural beings. So Armageddon will be truly a battle of heaven and earth and hell. Heaven and hell on earth. Oh my goodness. Can you imagine the forces? Wow. So just at the moment when the Antichrist is about to attack and destroy Israel and Jerusalem, a diversion occurs in the form of another massive army entering the field of conflict. Thus the stage is set for the last stunning movement in the battle of armageddon the descending lord from the heavens if you are a follower of christ what happens next may instill and urge you to stand up and shout like a football fan watching the star quarterback come onto the film (laughs) now i saw the heaven open and behold a white horse and he who set on him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war his eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns he had a name written that no one knew except himself he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the word of god And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now, out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of the Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Praise the Lord for that. The great Lord Jesus, the captain of the Lord's host, the king over all the kings will descend to defend and protect 
his chosen people and put a once and for all end to the evil of the Antichrist. Descending with his saints, but the Lord Jesus, captain of Lord's host, will not descend alone, as the following scriptures make abundantly clear. Thus the Lord my God will come, and all the saints with you. The coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. And behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints. All those who have died in the Lord, along with those who were raptured before the years of tribulation, will join with the Lord and participate in the battle to reclaim the world for the rule of Christ. I've often... I sit and gaze and just imagine God coming down on that big white horse and all of us coming with him It in all the heavens and the angels and Michael, who I'm so excited to meet. Uh, he's the strongest archangel in heaven. And it is just going to be so cool to be a part of that. Don't you think? Yes, it's, it's gonna be. It's hard. To, it's hard to imagine. It's yeah. It, it truly. It, it, it truly is. is. Yeah, it is. Descending with his angels, the saints are not only the ones who will comprise the army of the Lord. Both Matthew and Paul tell us that the angels will also descend with Christ when the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the holy angels with him then he will sit on the throne of the glory and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the lord jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels how many angels are available for conscription into this army hebrews 12:22 sums it up by talking about innumerable angels in joyful assembly angels as far as the eye can see and the mind can imagine the admixture of saints and angels calls to mind scenes from the great fantasy such as the Chronicles of Narnia and the Lord of the Rings where humans fight alongside otherworldly creatures to defeat the forces of evil. It's a thrilling picture to think of human saints side by side with God's angel doing the battle. The inception of the Battle of Armageddon has something of historical precedent in miniature. Arthur Randall Price recounts this event. The Yom Kippur War began at 2 p.m. on October 6th in 1973. It was a surprise attack on Israel from the Arab nations of Egypt and Syria, which were intent on the destruction of the Jewish state. Overwhelming evidence of a large-scale Arab military preparations on the morning of October 6th had compelled Chief of Staff David Elazar to ask the United States to help restrain the Arabs. U.S. Secretary of State Henry Kissinger urged Prime Minister Golda Meir to not issue a preemptive strike, but to trust international guarantees for Israel's security, to which Mrs. Meir, in her characteristic upfront manner, retorted, by the time they come to save Israel, there won't be an Israel. When international intervention finally came in, calling for a ceasefire negotiations, Israel's casualties had mounted to 2,552 dead and over 3,000 wounded. And it would have been much worse if Israel hadn't realized that if nobody was going to fight for them, they were going to have to fight for themselves. And for that reason, Israel has come to rely upon their own defenses for their security. 
that attack is just a foretaste of what Israel can expect in the future when the worst attack in history will come and will be centered in Jerusalem. In that day, there will be no allies, not even reluctant ones, but scripture has prophesied otherwise. At the right time, Jerusalem's Savior will return. As Price tells us, Israel in the last war will be forced to rely on herself and not depend on assistance from allies. That is the similarity between the inception of the Battle of Armageddon and the Yom Kippur War. It's miniature historical precedent, but what about the outcome? Will the end of the final war be anything like the end of Israel's Yom Kippur War? Will we answer that question by telling the full story of the event in the next chapter. Terrible and terrifying as the events we've discussed in this chapter may be, there is still good news. We may be disturbed by the signs we see in the coming catastrophic events. We may feel uneasy due to the continual reports of wars and wanton terrorism. We may quell at reports of natural turning against us, but here is the bottom line. We who trust the Lord as our Savior need to have no fear. He loves and protects his own. And whatever comes, if we seek him and his will for our lives, we will be among those whom he saves from the wrath to come. Amen. Why would you not want to do that? You know, I I get I guess there are some people who do like evil vibes better than good vibes. I don't know. Well, Miss K, we're gonna end that there, and then when we come back, we will talk about end signs. Thanks for stopping by. Have a great week. God bless you. 